Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How are you doing today? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics Throughout All Ages. And we're here to talk about world views and why it matters. We're going to look at history, science, archaeology, philosophy, and of course the reality that we live in. And does it make sense? We have been talking about the three camps of apologetics where we talk about the evidentialists. And the classical argument was last week. And this week we are going to be talking about a presupposition. And why the Christian, their worldview, needs to stand on an intellectual, honest answer for what we believe in. And as we weigh it out with truth and facts, that we would be sure, on a sure foundation, to be able to realize that God is true, that God is real. Now today, our starting point, we're going to talk about the preconditions of intelligibility. We know inanimate materials, think about that, inanimate materials has no qualifying conditions to bring life. That is, life from non-life has never been discovered. So how did life become life? To take it up a notch, how did life become intelligible? No answers to that question. Just some atheistic painted brush pictures from a painter in a book. If the, theist, if the atheist holds to that worldview bottom-up, that they are just chemicals in motion, stardust, pond scum, if you will, a naturalist who does not believe in spirits, angels, souls, or the conscience, then you are just physical, chemical reactions. And I'm going to be speaking to your worldview in that level. We know that even when you say you can reason as an atheist... You can come to conclusions about what is true, yet to hold that worldview, you would have to become foolish and contradictories. Why? Because if we know chemicals that are inanimate materials cannot make truth claims. Chemicals do not produce truth. Chemicals cannot produce the preconditions of intelligibility. In fact, the preconditions must meet the requirement to know the reality we live in is true. I want you to picture two chemicals joining together. Whatever chemicals you want to pick, look at it. Think about it in your head. They're hitting each other. When can they establish truth or the preconditions for intelligibility? Our senses must be reliable. Our reasoning must be meaningful and must rely on the laws laws of logic as objective truth. And our memory must have a source to validate the claim, I remember. 
that we were made to have worth, value, and to be responsible. That justice, mercy, and beauty are an ascetic behaviors that have no answer to a stardust world. Let alone, where did that information come from? We know information is in every atom, in the laws of nature, in our DNA. We understand information has always come from a mind. Non-life material cannot produce the preconditions for intelligibility. When we look at the laws of nature, when we look at space and this planet we call Earth, the laws of physics that hold together can be written out as a mathematical equation, and yet these laws, they're only descriptions of what they do. You see, we see the effects of them. They can do nothing of themselves. For instance... We see the effects of gravity, and we have a description of gravity, but we don't know what gravity is. But what causes them to be here in the first place, or what holds them together consistently, we have no clue in an evolutionary worldview. We can describe a race car engine and how it works, but who built it and who created that engine is a different story. And this is what the atheistic answer doesn't have to the question. It doesn't have a justifiable answer. It can only tell you how it works descriptively, but it can't tell you how the engine got here and how it was made or who the author was. Even when we talk about the uniformity of nature, that there is this thing we call uniformity of nature. And when the atheist or the empiricist is confronted with the uniformity of nature, in all the reasoning you are doing right now, you're appealing to a world of uniformity that that, that can be studied and investigated. When have you woke up in the morning and said, man, I wonder if gravity is going to hold me down. I hope when I wake up, I don't go flying midway in the air. Because we know that the uniformity of nature has always been. We would, not to be, we would not be able to even do science to test, observe, and repeat the laboratory uh, experiments if there was no uniformity. And when we say the laws of science hold a consistent framework for life to exist, There is no justification that these laws should obey or perform the same way tomorrow as they do today. You see, that is a hard question. Why are things working today the same way they worked yesterday? We need an answer for that if you're to uphold consistently your worldview. Again, no answer from the evolutionist worldview. They say we can expect it because it has been doing the same thing for for so long. But why in a random chance world would they stay consistent? When we talk about the laws of logic, what is astonishing is how the atheist, the evolutionist, lives their life 
accepting that every one of us in general has discovered the laws of logic in our own brain. Like we all got these, our own bodies. We all got our own individual brains and you and I do not share the same brain. We have different opinions on so many events, social demeanor and how we act. And then we have the value of worth that differs towards many things. And you heard the saying, the be, the beauty is in the, be, the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. This is because you have your own brain. It might be similar, but not the same. So many worldviews that each of us accept, there, or should I say there are many worldviews that each of us accept or do not accept. This, because, this is because we have individual brains. The problem with this statement is that with one single blow, the laws of logic have now become an objective ruler or standard for truth in each brain, right? The laws of identity, the law of non-contradiction. That the laws of logic are not just maturing in one brain and not the other brain. You see, it becomes a universal, brute, abstract concept that is unchanged, immaterial, and universal. Therefore, it is inconsistent to say it is different in each brain and that is, and that it is just maturing. We can look at the laws of logic that it doesn't matter where you go to. It's not a social construct. If it was a social construct, we would be able to go to China and change the laws of logic. But we can't. The contradictory stands whether they were whether you're in China, Russia, or America. So we know they aren't just one brain and the other brain. They're universal. So when we talk and think there is this abstract concept that wages war with absurdities and delights in being necessary for anything to make sense. This is not a social construct that can be changed in a different time zone or a different culture. The laws of logic are universal, unchanging, and necessary to make sense of any conversation. And this is where we start as a Christian. Our presupposition, our starting point is this. It is for by him in Colossians 1.16. It tells us this, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus and in Jesus and before, and Jesus is before all things and in Jesus, all things consist or are held together. This is our justification that God has made all things visible and invisible. And in him, this is his very nature. The attribute all things consist in him. This is his very nature and attribute that all things consist and are held together or have an order. And it's through his nature. And I want you to Think about this as we come to the second part of Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. And this is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. 
Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85 percent of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Join Creation Fellowship's and T's Apologetics Speaker Series Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. 1 Peter verse 3 chapter 15 says, To always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Creation Fellowship's and T's brand name Apologetics Speakers will do just that. Equip you with the knowledge and tactics to explain your Christian faith. Get equipped Thursday nights at 6.30. Learn more on Facebook and YouTube at Creation Fellowship's and or email creationfellowshipsantee at gmail.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona on K-Praise. How you doing? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. And we're coming back to the second part when we're talking about presuppositions. When we talk about presuppositions, we're looking at the starting point of a Christian's worldview. For instance, we were talking about how the laws of logic are immaterial, universal, unchanged, and necessary. So how do we as Christians get a justifiable answer for what we believe in? So we, when we look at the Christian God of creation, he is our justifiable answer. His attributes, his nature, his character holds all things together and consistently. Now, people will say reality holds the world and everything about us in place. And this is their justifiable answer, that reality holds the world and everything about it in place. I would say to this, because I've been hearing it a little more these days, I would say to this, reality is a description of how something is working. But we know uniformity of nature is working properly. We know the laws of nature are constant. We know the laws of logic are necessary. We know reality is that which corresponds to truth. But for the atheist, what is their justification of why it works universally and is unchanged and necessary? You see, the evolutionist, I think, forgets that we could have lived in a world of inconsistencies. They forget that if this world was made by random chance and disorder, that we could live in a world of inconsistencies, but why not? Why do we see that this world, this universe has an order to it? You see, God has revealed to us, the Christian, that this was not discovered by us, that he came down and by revelation made known to us this objective truth and that this world is held by the word of his power, that the laws of logic are universal, immaterial, unchanged, and necessary, that he is the only one that meets these qualifications. You see, if the the laws of logic, for instance, is universal, 
We know that God is omnipresent. If the laws of logic are immaterial, we know that God is spirit, that he is immaterial. That we know that if the laws of logic are unchanged, we know that God is immutable. And we know that the laws of logic need to be necessary And the only justification that you would have for this, that there is a God and this God is necessary, that he upholds all things and in an orderly fashion. And so for the Christian, we go to 1 Peter 3.15. It says, sanctify the Lord's in your heart and always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you for the reason of the hope that you have in you with meekness and in fear. You see, before we begin to give an answer to people for the hope in you as a Christian, we need to sanctify. That word means to set apart God in our lives. Why do we have to set apart the Lord? Because you will begin to talk about feelings instead of the word of God. You see, when you're talking to someone about principles, about truth, that we need to stay on the word of God and don't get caught up in the emotional state of it. Pretty soon you will be talking to someone, and if you're not set apart to the word of God, you will find yourself on neutral ground. You will begin to say stuff like, oh, I understand. Oh, I guess so. Maybe the Bible is wrong. But we realize in Scripture that there is no neutral ground When it comes to the word of God. And this is why Jesus said you're either for me or against me. Because you cannot serve two worldviews. Now there's two types of people in this world. Those are the first person is the one that the Bible says is foolish. It actually says in Psalms 14.1. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Uh, 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 they have done abominable works, and there is none that does good. You see, you have this person that says there is no God, that he is prone to say, I am my own God, and I will make myself to be like God. And we know someone who has said that before in the past, and sure enough, They begin to make themselves their own God and to serve the creature rather than the creator. But then you have the second person that says the fear, the reverence, the awesome power of knowing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we have to understand that there are two types of people. And those who come into a relationship with Jesus Christ as he came down to have a relationship with me and you, it says that he makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, you are a new person as the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within you and give you a new heart. Open, as it were, the scales of your eyes that you would begin to see truth and realize that everything is not just relative on what you believe, but there are a standard, there are standards, there are principles, and these all need to be justified. Now, this is where we get to our epistemology. The epistemology says, how do we know the things we know? How do I know what is truth? 
You see, when the atheist is asked, how do you know that the, how do you know things for certain? They will say, we know nothing for certain. And that's a solid answer for them because in their worldview, especially as you see chemicals hitting chemicals, how are you going to come to know things for certain? When have you seen uh, some bleach and vinegar hit each other and all of a sudden they produce truth? It doesn't work that way, guys. That worldview is flawed. But we do see the atheists. We do see the evolutionists. We do see the naturalists. They know things. They say things that are true. We know that they can do things that are right and say things that are true. Why? It's because they are made in the image of God. You see, we know that as Christians. When we talk about the epistemology, how we know things and how we know things for certain, Well, we can know things for certain because we serve a God who knows all things. And this is one of our presuppositions, that God is omniscient, that he knows all things because he is all powerful. He can reveal things to us that we can know for certain. And this is why when we look at Psalms 139, 1 through 18, it says, O Lord, as David begins to write down the manuscripts, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my laying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. We know even in the New Testament, it says this, In Christ, think about this, guys. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That everything is consistent. Everything consists of God. That in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2.3. You see, the problem we have here is if you cannot know everything, you really don't know anything at all. But because the Christian has been has revelation from a God who knows all things, that he can give us truth. You see, Jesus laid the line down on the sand. Jesus laid the line down on the sand when he said, I am the way and I am the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So the truth comes from Jesus. This is our presupposition. Do not be ashamed to be a Christian. We are standing on solid ground. We have a justifiable answer for how we live our lives. When we look through the word of God, we see historically events of men and women of the Bible what they believed and why they believed and what they believed in. Through the documents, the manuscripts, this love letter called the Bible, we can see their presupposition, their epistemology of how they live, move, and how they're being. 
We got an example for this. The example is Jesus Christ. You know, one day Jesus, as he was walking as a historical figure here on earth, it says that as he got baptized, he went out to the wilderness. And as Satan would now begin to try to tempt him to sin because Jesus had no sin. And as Jesus begins to tempt him, I mean, when Satan begins to tempt Jesus, Satan goes after Jesus essential. Remember, Jesus was out in the wilderness for 40 days in the desert and 40 nights. He hadn't eaten a thing. He's been fasting and praying. So he's tired. He's dragged out. 40 days has gone by. And it says that Satan comes before him and he says, if you being the son of God, make these stones into bread. And this is what Jesus says. This is his epistemology. Jesus replies, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, Jesus knew his presupposition is that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And his epistemology is that man does not live by bread alone. Why? Because it's told to us in Scripture in Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, I am God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And he is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. And so we know that we have a presupposition, a justifiable answer for what we believe in. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics talking about presupposition. Have a good day. That's a take. And this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise.